And welcome to another amazing episode of Fresh Brewed Politics. I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter. Please hit that share button for us, and we will be getting into it today. Uh, we'll be covering uh, the, the Cuban uprising, talk about what's going on there a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about the, the Texas Democrats are once again resulting to some deeply disturbing tactics in order to break quorum to stop the passing of bills they disagree with. And uh, Mike Harmon declares he will be running for governor. So we'll cover that real quick. Uh, if you guys could do, though, do me a favor. As as you know, if you're listening on Facebook, um, Facebook does not like to distribute what we have to say. So please hit that share button down there in the right-hand corner. That's the number one thing you can do for me is hit that share button. And even share it in multiple places. Share it in, in any Facebook pages you know that would like to hear what we have to say. Also as well, if you're listening to this on a replay, you can hear it on a, a podcast form, Fresh Brewed Politics, uh, available on Apple and Spotify. And of course, guys, we have our 1776 uh, sale going on today. Um, that'll go on until the rest, the end of this month. So it's 17.76% off online. Go ahead and hit that up and, and, and purchase that. And we'll be getting into it today. First thing we're going to talk about is, uh, in case you missed it, I am running for the 12th Senate district here in uh, Kentucky. Um, that is, of course, where uh, I live. I've lived here for about a decade. And so, you know, we're running, obviously, I'm running as a Republican uh, on a platform of larger freedoms, smaller government. So cutting down, eliminating taxes, eliminating uh, regulations um, that make it so hard to live and work in Kentucky and, you know, pushing back against federal government overreach that we've seen systematically uh, destroy what we have here in Kentucky, whether that is in our um, coal industry, our hemp industry, our soybean industry, all of which has been greatly affected um, by, you know, the federal government overreach. So, you know, that's platform run on. If you'd like to support that, you can go to Cooper Rider, C-O-O-P-E-R-R-I-D-E-R, -R -R -E -R, the number four, KY.com. You can check out my platform. You can hit that donate button, of course. Donate to the campaign. A lot of people don't. Uh, some, some interesting people probably don't want me running, but we'll see what happens. But of course, too, as well, um, if you can, just just tell your friends, tell your family about us, and, and let them know, hey, follow this guy, see what he's doing. If you like what he's doing, donate to it. If you don't, well, I'm sorry. Uh, but anyways, go ahead and hit that share button. Let's talk about Cuba here. Cuba's been having some uprising over the past uh, day or so. And people in tens of thousands have been taking to the streets to protest uh, communism. And and what's more interesting is the left for a long time, just for like a while, for like an entire day, did not heavily report on this. This was not heavily reported at all in mainstream media because they were looking for their spin. Well, the good news is they think they found it. And they think they found it by saying they're protesting the Cubans government handling of COVID. <laughs> I said a little weird there to, to try to stop the, uh, d the Facebook algorithm from taking us down. But anyways, the point is, is they think that's what they're doing, but they're really protesting to end communism. I will give you the biggest evidence you have of that. Uh, let's go ahead and play a clip there from their protests.
As you can see, you've got thousands there gathering in the streets, all protesting to end communism. And they're not saying, um, they're saying a mix of things. But one of the common things they're saying is uh, libertad, which is uh, Hispanic for liberty. And so that's what they're chaining. But of course, the left can't have that happen. See, if it comes out, they're protesting uh, communism. That means it takes communist ideas that are here in America will take a big hit. These ideas that the left has been pushing towards, or at least the most extremist left. I don't believe a lot of people, a lot of people actually end up dealing with, um, you know, when it comes down to it, they're dealing with what's called a mix of, when it, a lot of people on the left, Democrats, right? I don't think in their mind they see it necessarily as they're supporting communism. Now, the farthest extremists left clearly know what they're doing. I think the the most uh, large amount of them have no clue what exactly they are what exactly they need to do. All they know is is they see people hurting, and they think government's the way to fix it, and it's not. And it's clearly not, as we're seeing, because, you know, Cuba is a communist country, their health care, their education. Uh, one of the things I remember uh, Bernie Sanders trotting out about Cuba was their extremely high literacy rates because they have like a 100 percent literacy rate because they can all read. And that was one of, um, you know, um, Bernie Sanders's giant uh, success of communism that he would come out. And also they talked about communistic medicine. Well, you know, Cuba has communistic medicine. Now these people are marching and, and the spin city, you know, the words we're seeing out of people like Joe Biden. And of course we're seeing from the less of um, you're seeing from the left, as far as it goes, is this, this whole spin of saying, Oh, they're, they're protesting for, um, the the poke there and once again using different terms to try to beat the algorithms but they're they're upset that the rates and the amount that they're getting out that uh that medicine there is their main issue ignoring the fact that the food issues and the socialized medicine issues of cuba have been going on for years because of course they can't have it just be about hey they're pushing back on communism they need it to be a a um, commentary. They need the storyline to be, they're fighting to get their, their poke and you need to go get poked and you're not doing it. And these people are literally overthrowing their government for it. You need to go get it. And that is the, the line they're looking for because they don't want to admit to what is the, the case in fact and case, which is quite frankly, is it's a failure of communism. And because of course the story here to all of America is that communism doesn't work. It always seems to end this way. Am I wrong? Has, 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 has we ever seen communism not end with people in the streets hungry, people in the streets not getting um, the care that they were promised? See, they're promised if you just give up your freedom, right? If you just give up a little bit of your freedom, we'll give you everything. Ignoring completely how ignoring completely how you know when we give up our freedoms for this control we're giving it up to central planning i encourage a lot of people to read uh hayek road to serfdom and if you haven't it's one of those classical economics books and in it he talks about the problems with central planning and the problems that communism has see communism works 
in a vacuum devoid of humans and human behavior. See, if, if you took human behavior out of it and it was in a vacuum, communism sounds great. That's what's so alluring about it. But see, the reason why communism fails and the reason why capitalism succeeds is because communism relies on there being a couple of people that are just really good people that will take care of everything. And of course, that is what both the authoritarian right and authoritarian left here in America believe. Both of them, neither of them are correct, is that, wow, if we just grab the holds of power, we can get in place what we think is best, what we think is best. But of course, that's never how it works out because somebody else can always take control. Authoritarianism is authoritarianism, whether, whether you like it or not. Whether you like what that authoritarian is doing or not, it is authoritarianism. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, okay? Cuba right now is going through an uprising. We need to be supporting them, right? We need to be supporting these protests. We don't need to be spin-sitting it like Joe Biden is currently doing into it becoming about the poke and about, you know, diseases and illness. That's not, it's, it's about taking down communism and we need to support them. And you're going to see a lot of people, people who normally speak up on government evils, um, not talking about this. I mean, the images coming out of Cuba are extreme. You're seeing military li lining up and, and, and getting ready to beat down this. They're cutting off power and water to the protesters. Right. And, and as people are watching this too, they say, hey, pff, at least it's not happening here in America. Guys, I'm here to tell you, cutting off power and water happened to business owners during this last uh, uh, shutdowns and mandates. The government would come into restaurants that were standing up and they would start cutting their power and their water. These people who were civilly uh, disobedient were protesting. What the government was doing right here in America, they're cutting off power and water. That's the same thing Cuba is doing to its protesters right now. So I think not only should we be supporting Cubans in their uprising, and of course, too, as well, this is a country very close to America. Not only does it open up tons of tourism and economic opportunity for us as a country, as individuals in this country, as well as the people of Cuba to have economic opportunity to trade and not having the embargoes and things like that that have plagued them. You know, if you go to Cuba, a lot of time, um, a lot of the cars are all from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, and they do the best they can to just keep them going because they don't import cars. And so this offers a great opportunity for the Cuban people and, and also too, to show the amazing ability of democracy to be able to pull a country out of being either a second or third world country, depending on what parts you're in, depending on how you define it, into being a first world country and a beacon of freedom. And to be able to make that change in Cuba would be absolutely amazing. And that's why we got to get behind them. And so, you know, I know that there's been some talk here. I've been talking to a few uh, pe people who immigrated from Cuba. Um, you know, if you guys remember, there was one of the member of the Kentucky Restaurant Rescue Coalition um, that helped open up Kentucky to indoor dining was from uh, Cuba and had been arrested three times for selling sandwiches and was frightened over the idea that they're going to be having to deal with that now. Um, you know, I've been speaking with him um, and speaking with a few others about getting some some rallies set up maybe in Louisville for the Cuban uh, people here in America to show support and help lobby and, and, and get the government um, to make sure of America to at least get out of the way. You know, don't don't if it, let them choose their own freedoms.
and I saw somebody commenting online too, like, oh, they need a leader to stand up. No, no, I encourage you guys. I, I'm a nerd. So way back like when I was like 12 or 13, I read a book all about Fidel Castro's rise to power. And the problem is, is when you believe one person is be your savior. Not only does that give you a head that you can chop off to end a movement, but also as well, it always, almost always ends in totalitarianism. So we can't look for one person to lead and to help there. We need to be saying the people need to come together. They need to get a democracy in place. And that needs to be how it happens. So don't pay attention. The media is trying to spin this and making it about uh, um, just about the poke or anything else. It's not. This is about decades of communism right there in Cuba. All right here. Uh, Texas Democrats uh, walked, uh, leaving, fleeing the state, fleeing the state. I'll tell you why they're fleeing the state. Please, uh, you know, like I said, hit that share button, share it all over. Let people know we exist. Let people know what we're doing. Um, and let them know what we are working on. But um, so Texas Democrats are literally fleeing the state in order to break quorum. Okay. So for those who don't know, um, in in Texas, there is of course a rule that you, I believe it is um, two thirds of the of the house needs to be present to make quorum. And so there's there's 50, I believe seven Democrats. And if 51 of them flee the state and leave and refuse to go into the state legislator, that breaks quorum, meaning that nothing can be passed because there's not enough people present. So if, if anybody hasn't read Robert's Rules of Orders or anything like that, I encourage you to do so. And so in Robert's Rules of Order, it makes clear there has to be an X amount of people present in order to make laws and, and in order to vote on things. And if there's not enough present, you can't do it. And so they're fleeing the state. Now, why are they fleeing the state? So if you guys remember before, so Texas, much like Kentucky, has a certain amount of time that they have their legislative session. So uh, Kentucky, for an example, has 30 days on odd years and um, has uh, 60 days on even years that they're in session and they have to wrap up, I believe, by the end of April. And so that is their time. And if they want to legislate outside of that, they have to call a special session. Well, the, the Democrats... Uh, in order to avoid voting on a, a voting bill as well as uh, a couple other uh, bills, I believe one involving even critical race theory, things like that, that they don't like. And because they don't have enough votes to vote them down, but they do have enough votes to vote quorum, on the last day of session, they were pushing this off. The Democrats, uh, or, or last couple of days, the Democrats got up, they walked out of the chamber, and they wouldn't come back granting them quorum, which meant they weren't able to get past a lot of those things. Well, that left Abbott, the governor of Texas, to call a special session. And he called that special session um, that is supposed to start here in, in the next day or two. And that is a 30-day special session in order to get past these things that they walked out on. Well, the Democrats decide they're going to board a plane and go to D.C. Now you say, why are they doing that? Well, because the Speaker of the House of Texas, and I guess the President of the Senate, whoever that is, I, I know how it works here in Kentucky, don't know there, has the ability to use law enforcement within the state to go and, and arrest you if you're supposed to be in session and you're not showing up for, for, and you don't have a reason to, other than to deny quorum, the Speaker of the House can order law enforcement to come 
arrest the house reps and bring them into the chambers and then lock the doors to force there to be a quorum because vote has to get done, which is an interesting concept. And some people may say, well, Andrew, I don't like uh, the way that is. But at the same time, but at the same time, I don't see, I don't see when it, when it comes down to it, I don't see how these people are elected to do a job. And if they're refusing to do that job, and if they're denying the ability of 65% of Texans to have their vote because they're unwilling to allow it to occur, 63%, I think, of Texans to have their vote because they're unwilling to let it happen. And they're going to do it just by not even showing up. There's a reason why that rule exists. It's because you can't be beholden necessarily to a very small minority radical group. That's what they are. They're radicals. I mean, it is a radical idea that you have lawmakers fleeing a state in order to avoid to vote on something. Because they just don't want it to happen and they have nothing else that they can do about it. That's insane. I mean, think about that for a second. If there's a piece of legislation that obviously the representatives, right, and it's and it's not unconstitutional because if it was truly unconstitutional, these reps could turn around and take this to the Supreme Court, the state courts or what have you, to hear these bills. But it's not unconstitutional. Remember, guys, there is a way if a law is unconstitutional for it to be fought, right? So it's not just simply they say it's unconstitutional, we're protecting the Constitution. There's a process to do that. They're not even letting the courts hear it because they're not unconstitutional and they know that. They just want the vote to not happen. So what are they doing? So they're getting on a plane and they're taking off to D.C. And they're saying, and they're going to go to D.C. for an undetermined amount of time and supposedly try to uh, uh, lobby the national government to go ahead and get this law passed to, to block the ability for Texans to pass this voting law. And this just goes to show you what's really going on here, right? So this, what's going on here as far as, you know, these voting laws go and everything else, like in these various states, what's the real issue here? Because these voting laws, the way we voted, uh, many a time these voting laws are expanding out the way it used to be pre-panty. I mean, that's what I'm going to call it from now on because once again, Facebook algorithm. So pre-panty, <laughs> um, there there's a way we voted. And then Panty happened. And if I encourage you to read uh, the Time article, um, the 2020, the look into the secret shadow campaign to save the 2020 election. It's a Time article. I believe that's what it's called. I encourage you to check that out because it goes into this. Where you had people like Mark Zuckerberg donating $300 million to help fund and get changed state voting laws or state rules for voting in order to make it better considering we're in a panty and people weren't going to come out to vote. And the left was concerned that people wouldn't come out to vote for them because their people would be afraid and in their homes. But what they also discovered is, the, of course, the easier it is to vote, the easier it is to get uh, more votes in for people who are, quote unquote, I don't want to call them uninformed, but that's kind of what it is. You know, people that vote with a lot of emotion. And the reason why is because this is what happens. You send out a, a mail-in ballot to everybody in the state. And you have drop boxes and everything else. And if you're able to just fill out that ballot, I'm not even saying it's as evil as me saying, oh, I'm going to fill out that ballot for you. But it's as simple as saying, hey, I'm going to grab these people I live with. I'm going to say, hey, your ballots got sent too. Let me fill those out for you. Good. Okay, sign here. Let's mail these in. 
And that's obviously a problem. And it's a problem because the entire idea, the reason why you can't, people say all the time, why don't we vote by an app? Well, it, it ignores the entire reason why the electoral college exists in the first place as well. It exists for two reasons. It exists not just to ensure, uh, not just for logistical reasons for way back in the day where you know we didn't have technology, but also exists to ensure that uh, uh, representation of states is a little more equaled out, not just based upon population, because of course you don't know what this person wants and vice versa. But also as well, it was also put in place, and one of the things our founders were concerned about was uneducated people not knowing and, and being tricked into who to vote for. I mean, that's why you have things like drinking laws. Uh, where a lot of states, it's, you're not allowed to drink on voting day because they don't want uneducated people or drunks voting because they don't want people being paid off with alcohol. It's, it's fraud for fraud. That's the problem. Okay, We want good ideas to win because they're good ideas, not because this person was able to fraudulently get enough people in there who they were able to fake the ballots for. So that's why they're changing and not even changing these laws. They're expanding their voting in many cases. The laws are looser than they used to be. They're just requiring, hey, we just want to see an ID. That's one of the things that they're fighting about. You know, remember in Georgia where they're throwing a fit. They the the big change in Georgia was on your mail-in votes, you had to put your ID number, and they did not like that. They're like, no, I don't like that. That's racist. That's new Jim Crow. Why? Because that means I have to, I can't just take a ballot, fill it out, and send it in. And of course, the Democrats know that's what happens. And of course, they know that they're getting those votes. And so it's it, this is a a struggle of the Democrats wanting to permanently change voting laws to help them out. And it's the Republicans simply saying, hey, you know, we're going to make some adjustments for you because we see some, some ways that, yeah, this could be difficult on people, but we're not going to fully just let people willy-nilly just send out ballots to God knows who for them to vote that are, we can't even verify they can actually vote. And a lot of people sit there and say, oh, because well, President Trump lost and blah, blah, blah. That's not even it at all. A lot of people don't realize that there's more voting that goes on than just the presidential election, than just the governor, than just the Senate. There's house reps, federal house reps that depend on where you live. And if you've moved out of a district, why do you get to vote in that district? That's part of the reason ID laws are important, to make sure you actually live where you say you do. If you're living in Nicholasville, Kentucky, why should you get to vote in the Lexington City Council races? Or shoot, if you're living in Nicholasville, Kentucky, and you're living in Lexington, Kentucky, which are right next to each other for people not from Kentucky, they actually have different congressmen. One has Brett Guthrie, who just pulled a challenger out of Chris Henning, and the other has Andy Barr. Why would they, that one represents the other? So we can't have our voting crossing over, but people forget that. And they also forget about your local elections. You know, your state Senate, your 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 state house, where it's 44,000 state house, state Senate's around 144,000, um, 130,000, I believe, um, population right there. And so that is, people forget that that is a thing that's a that people are concerned about. And so, I'm sorry, it's 115,000 for state senate, my bad. Uh, anyway, so that is the thing. Where you live matters. It matters to your city council race. It matters to who represents you at your city level, too. It matters who represents you in your county magistrates. And those are all important races that people forget because, of course, every year we talk about the presidential race and we don't actually talk. We don't actually talk about their local races. That's part of the reason why it's so important.
Because you know what? Even if you don't believe there's enough fraud to change the presidential election, when you have elections being won and lost by 100 votes, 50 votes, which you have all the time at local levels, that's not a lot of fraud to make a difference, is that? That's not a lot of fraud at all. And so it's definitely something worth looking at and looking into. But of course, the Democrats in Texas decide, hey, we're not getting our way, so we're just going to board a plane. We're just going to fly away, and we're not going to come back. Pretty ridiculous. And I hope, I hope, I hope the Speaker of the House does put out an, an arrest for them. Because they need to do their job. They were elected to represent their people. They were not elected to act this way. They're not elected to not do their jobs. I mean, imagine if you're hired to do a job and you just took off and were still getting paid, mind you, and advocate the responsibilities of your job and you just took off. I mean, that's what they're doing. You know, it's still getting paid too. So I guess if you want to resign your job, if you want to resign your job, you resign your seat in the house, then do it. Resign your seat. That's fine. You're advocating for your responsibility. But you cannot advocate your responsibility to represent the people and then not expect there to be repercussions. That's not how this works. All right. Here in the state of Kentucky, we have Mike Harmon declaring he's running for governor. And he just declared uh, real recently, I believe he just declared today, he was running for governor. And I was talking to somebody about that. Uh, the auditor, Mike Harmon, entering the race for governor. And he said, hey, he's two and a half years out. That's a pretty big time. And, you know, he's got a point, right? That's far out. We're two and a half years out from election, he's declaring. However, let's keep in mind, Mike is termed out for a state auditor. That's the first thing. Second thing is, is there's a lot of people talking about doing it. Of course, you declare early like that, he could be trying to garner uh, certain people's endorsements early on in order to help keep some other people out of the race. I mean, we all know that Savannah Maddox has been talking about wanting or I don't know if she has, but um, you know, there's there's people talking about Savannah Maddox running. I don't know anything about what she's talking about. There's people uh, talking about um, um, Ryan Quarles running, and there's people talking about uh, um, Nick. If you can hear me, um, shoot, ambassador to UN under Trump, um, Kelly Craft. Kelly Craft, thank you. I was like Kelly something. Kelly, I was gonna say Kelly Ann Conway, but I know that's not who it is. Uh, Kelly Craft. So we've been talking about Kelly Craft running, talking about Ryan Quarles running, uh, Mike Harmon, and of course, Savannah Maddox. So perhaps he's declaring trying to get out ahead of them to gather up uh, a little more time, talent, resources, as well as to gather some uh, endorsements early on before people see the playing field of fully how it's going. That could be a smart move. Um, he could also be declaring in order to um, just kind of get that ball rolling and to be able to pull in those donations a little bit earlier on. Uh, because, of course, you know, Kelly Craft has some big money. And if he's worried about her running and the amount of money she has, he could be needing to collect a fair amount of money to be able to uh, compete with that as well. Um, you know, so there's definitely a, a couple different reasons. So my personal opinion on uh, Mike Harmon. So let me be clear here. I am not until until we're much closer to governor. I'm not going to endorse anybody for governor because quite simply, I don't know uh, who's all going to declare. There could be somebody that uh, declares out of nowhere that I'm like, okay, that person's pretty solid. I want to support that person. But if I've already endorsed somebody, I can't do that. So, but let me talk about Mike Harmon here just for a second. Here's what I like about Mike. Um, Mike did, unlike a lot of other constitutional offices, use his position as Kentucky auditor. And he did do a pretty good job of auditing Bashir and and looking at what he was doing that was illegal. I mean, he recommended charges for him of how he handled um, 
the workers um, unemployment as far as how they had security breaches. They didn't tell anybody out. He's the one who caught them and basically said, Hey, I'm going to tell people if you don't, um, you know, he's the one who caught there doing illegal things there that are federally illegal. He's the one who caught that um, the, the abuses coming out of the system, you know, those employees of the unemployment system that were double dipping, that were making money with the state while also handling their own claims uh, for unemployment elsewhere. Um, you know, those are some pretty interesting uh, things that he did. So he did use his his pulpit per se a little bit better than I saw people like Ryan Quarles using his pulpit in order to um, lash out at Bashir and what Bashir was doing. Um, and he provided a lot of ammunition for people like myself to be able to file when we were filing like citizens impeachment. You know, there were some times where we referenced things that Harmon had looked at. So that's a good thing. The other good thing about Harmon is he uh, has a good track record when he was a house rep. He had pretty good votes. I mean, he was kind of a Liberty guy. On top of that, he's a numbers guy. He understands the numbers. Um, and I feel like personally he would respond a lot better to grassroots efforts than maybe Ryan Quarles or Kelly Kraft. And, uh, you know, I that those are the people we've heavily talked about. Like I said, I, I know Savannah Maddox is, uh, um, well, she's not once again, but I've heard she's running. Um, so, you know, if, if she's running, that would be an interesting dichotomy between uh, Mike and her. I don't know if they can come together on something or not, perhaps. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that it seems like he would listen to the grassroots because he's a numbers guy and he knows what the grassroots can do because he saw what happened with, um, you know, Bashir Bevan's situation where some of the grassroots got involved. And, and, you know, maybe we'll do a podcast on that some other time. But more importantly, more importantly, he sees that. That's important to him. You know, the other thing I like uh, about him is he seems to have an ability to be, uh, I don't know if I want to call it non-offensive, but he seems like he's a, a little bit of non-offensive, but offensive at the same time. So he's willing to stand up, it seems like, for what he believes in based upon his uh, voting records, based upon what he's done as an auditor, but also at the same time, at the same time, he himself um, is a, mm, he, he has strong principles, but he's not offending. What do I mean by that? He, he seems to have a set of principles and says, I'm not going to give up those, but at the same time, I'm willing to work with and play nice with others in order, because I understand I need their buy-in to get things done, um, which can be good. But you know, if, if people take that too far, it's how you end up compromising away everything you believe in. So it's something to watch out for. Um, you know, the bad things about Harmon is, is kind of just what I said on the flip side, you know, is he going to be abrasive enough to make it through a fraught primary and an intense general? I mean, Bashir and him are going to have an intense general. We've all seen it. Bashir's a child and he lashes out at people. We've seen him do it time and time and time Again, I mean, his biggest attack on Mike Harmon, whenever Mike Harmon drops his audits, is that, well, this reads like somebody who's running for higher office, because that's just what Bashir does. Anytime somebody drops a suit or something on him, that's what his main attack, well, they're just trying to do it for political gain. As if, one, Bashir's not doing things for political gain, and two, as if that doesn't mean right is right and wrong is wrong. So that, you know, there's some concern there. Will he be able to handle that kind of a election run. I don't know. You know, like I said, I've met him a few times, a few times, uh, personally. Um, I've met him a couple of times, but um, I have I have not really sat down with him and been like, hey, can you take these punches really well? I, I, I don't know. 
Um, but he has run a lot of elections too. Does he have, um, does he have the, the backing, the backing, the financial backing are all the major players, uh, relying on somebody else. And Mike Harmon's kind of in the middle and he's going to miss out on that financial backing. I don't know. I don't know. Those are things to watch there as far as it goes. It's going to be interesting, though, to see if anybody else jumps back into the race. Now, for some of you wondering why you've seen a spat of people declaring, like Henning, um, even myself, the governor, um, it makes some sense if you pay attention. Now, like I said, auditors kind of, you know, Mike's a little far out. But it makes some sense if you understand when the uh, election campaign finance filing deadlines are. If you know those KREF deadlines and how they work out, it gives you some idea of to know. You'll see a spat of people right now. You'll see the spat of people in November. And then you'll see a spat of people right around November. And then you'll see a spat of people right before the deadline, like literally the day of the deadline, declaring they're running for something to, in order to look like they're coming up from behind. So you'll kind of see that. So keep your eyes on that. Um, of course, guys, I thank you for joining me. Visit broodco.com, B-R-E-W-E-D-C-O.com. We're having that 17.76% off sale. Uh, and absolutely check out the campaign, Cooper Rider for KY. I thank you guys for joining us. Please leave us a review if you're on Apple. I thank you. Have a great day.